Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So, as we said earlier, it is back to school time. Did everybody get your uh, school book, your textbook? All right. For some of us, it's been a while since we had to get textbooks, but this is the day. And, and if you want to take one home to friends or family, please be sure to do so and grab one on your way out. I remember when I was in elementary school, which was in the prior millennium, so it's about a thousand years ago. I remember having to do a review at the beginning of the school year. Every year I had to review our times tables and all of that. And I guess it was an attempt to help us remember what we might have forgotten over the course of the summer. Or it could have been a not so subtle attempt to help us learn what we should have already known that we didn't learn. And the other thing I remember about this, going back to school in central Indiana in the thousand years ago, it was invariably blazing hot, wasn't it, Julie? Julie's from central Indiana also, so yeah, you know the deal. And so here we are, and if we're going back to school, and if you are a Unity veteran, welcome back. And if you're new to the Unity movement, you picked the perfect day to join us as we dive into our foundational series on Unity's five basic principles. Now, I realize some of you veterans of Unity might be saying to yourself, oh my gosh, I already know all this stuff. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you do. However, and there is a however, we are all continuing to grow and evolve, so it's quite possible that in this series, you and I myself might discover something new or in our core teachings or some new way to express and interpret them that might be new and awakening. At least I sure hope so. I also have another bit of an agenda. Since education is cumulative, what we learn today builds on tomorrow and yada yada, so I'm down the line, this five-week series will be very instrumental as we approach our annual fall series, Unity Awakening, that begins on September 25th. Because our source material for this fall series is a book entitled Unity and World Religions by Reverend John Paul Roach. So in this book, longtime Unity minister and graduate of Oxford University, I went to Oxford also, by the way, Oxford, Ohio, Miami University. So we have that in common. It's, it's a thing. Reverend John Paul, he's from Wales. I'm not. Um, so in this book, he'll take our five universal principles taught in Unity and see how they are expressed in other faith traditions. So it'll be an interfaith series this, this year when we engage with Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Islam, Christianity, and a few others. And what's going to be really cool, Reverend Paul will be our guest speaker on October 23rd. So and you'll, be, you'll really love the guy, and he's going to do a Q&A after church. So I encourage you to order the book from unity.org or whatever your preferred online retailer is. And if you do use Amazon, use the smile.amazon.org link and make Unity of Fairfax your preferred charity. And we get a few cents off of each purchase. Just throwing it out there. So it's enough to say I'm really excited about the upcoming material, and I'm really excited about today's material. So in Unity, we have five basic principles, but we teach a whole lot more than that. And one of the things about unity is that whenever we teach anything, we always tell individuals, take what's right for you, leave the rest. 
There is no box where we put people in. In fact, I jokingly say we don't even allow boxes on the property. Uh, that would be a lie. It's a joke. But anyway, you get the drift, you know, because the unity movement exists to support individuals on, on their own spiritual growth and development. We offer our teachings as a solid foundation. But ultimately, what is T, T, capital T, truth for you? You will decide. And we want to help you live your principles and live your beliefs in integrity. And that's why integrity is one of our core values. So bottom line, we have five core principles phrased in different ways. We never had a, a synod or an ecclesiastical body discern the right verbiage. So if you go to a different church or center, you'll see them phrased in different ways. They are quickly. Number one, God is absolute good everywhere present. It's a wonderful foundation. Number two, human beings have a spark of divinity within them, the Christ spirit within their very essence of the, is of God, therefore they are also inherently good. And I think it's interesting that this phrase is, is worded in the third person. I think we have that inherent divinity and our essence is inherently good. Again, I didn't write this. Number three, human beings create their experiences by the activity of their thinking, meaning we give meaning to our experiences because of how we see them and what we make them mean. Everything in the manifest realm has its beginning in thought. Number four, prayer is creative thinking that heightens the connection with God and therefore brings forth wisdom, healing, prosperity, and everything good. The unity movement was based and is based on the power of prayer. And number five, knowing and understanding the laws of life that we also call truth are not enough. A person must live the truth that he or she knows. Now, if you go back into our children's areas, you'll see posters on the wall that have the same phrases and same principles, language for children and teens. And I'll share with those with you because, honestly, I think I like them better. Number one, God is all good, active in everything, everywhere. All right, I can hang on to that. Number two, I am naturally good because God's divinity is in me and in everyone. Number three, I create my experiences because of what I choose to think and feel and believe. Number four, through affirmative prayer and meditation, I connect with God and bring out good in my life. And number five, I do and give my best by living the truth I know. I make a difference. Amen. See, I wish when we'd gone back to school and then did the review period every year, we'd started with that. But uh, somebody like me really needed to work on the times tables. I just got to tell you, that's, that's, a, that's a thing for me. All right. I want to go into a sacred story and share something that you probably already know, but we might look at it in a little bit different way. It's the story of Moses standing on holy ground. Sherry mentioned that in the meditation this morning. It's a perfect so here's a reading of a little bit from uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. 
When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God said to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a land of, to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. The Exodus story, as you may know, is the, really the beginning of the sacred story of the birth of the Jewish people, the Israelites coming together in unison. And it recounts on a collective level the arduous process of liberation from slavery to freedom. And no wonder this story informed the spiritual imperative of the abolition movement in our country and others as well. And I also propose that we as individuals can see this story as a metaphor for our own individual, spiritual, and emotional freedom and evolution as well. So I just want to parse out a few pieces of it and give some explanation as to how I'm looking at this story today. Begin with a question, though. So has anyone here ever contended with metaphorical Egyptians, Egyptians' taskmasters, any, anyone ever, you know, because this designation could represent external difficulties, like a toxic work environment. Anybody ever see one of those? Okay, yeah, I've got a few nods. Or an unhealthy relationship. Yeah, those are two external situations that feel like a bad Egypt situation. And we also look at this internally as well, you know, and that, that internal taskmaster might be low self-esteem or an addiction. And, you, and if you haven't encountered something like this, you might know someone who has. These are just really awful experiences. And they feel like they'll never end. I know when I've gone through a rough period like a pandemic, <laughs> it just seems like it is just not going to end. It will. It is. It's ending. We're one day closer to never saying that word again. So in the story, God got Moses' attention in a really unusual way, though not only a burning bush that is not consumed, but a talking burning bush that is not consumed. And I suppose it might be blasphemy to even say this, but it seems kind of comical to me, the talking burning bush. I can see a little puppet that we'd make for the kids, but I digress. But life can be like that, can it? We have moments of awakening and realization when something just so bizarre or synchronistic grabs our attention and we think to ourselves, how could that ever happen? How is that even possible? Have you ever had a synchronistic experience where you run into somebody you know from childhood in an airport in another country and it's like, how did, what were the odds of that? Well, the odds were clearly 100%. It was just going to happen. 
or you have a meaningful internal experience with something that happens externally. You're thinking about a problem or, or something that's going on in your life, and you hear a song on the radio and you realize, I've just gotten my answer. How likely is that? See, those are sort of things I consider burning bush type movements. One of them I had many years ago in 1989 was the first time I walked into a Unity Church. And I had an experience of feeling energy, and I realized, oh my goodness, I've come home. I just knew it. That was a burning bush type of experience. You see, in, in this story, Moses, too, represents a part of each one of us. Moses represents that hero or shero aspect of each one of us. That part of our identity that summons the strength and the courage and the wisdom to lead, lead the rest of the parts of ourselves to freedom. Because if you know the story, the Israelites just didn't go along with Moses. Yay, this is great. They murmured, they complained, they just made, a, made it harder than it had to be. But there was that aspect, Moses, that kept the high watch. Just as it is with each one of us, whenever we endeavor to make a change in our lives or do something different, when all of our other parts just want to like stay on the couch and not go to the gym, there is one part that says, okay, we're well, going to get up anyway and go do it. You know, it's this disciplined part, this visionary part of us. Anytime we have ever attained anything, we have accessed this symbolic interior Moses to drag us on to do what is ours to do. And then lastly, let's look at how the passage tells us what the passage has to tell us about God or the Lord in this situation. And for me, two things stand out. One, God has, quote, heard the cry and knows the suffering of my people, which to me says, regardless of what is going on in our lives, collectively or individually, the presence of the holy is there. It's one of the reasons why we say we're never really alone, even when we feel most alone. There's a holy presence that's within us and also all around us. And two, in God, quote-unquote, there is a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, even though we might be wandering a desert, wondering what's going to happen, that land of milk and honey still exists. It is already there. It's there in consciousness and in reality somewhere. We're just getting to it. So let's pull all of this together to unity's first principle. God is absolute good everywhere present. I think that's what that passage in Moses, from Exodus is indicating to us. The absolute goodness of God was right there with the people, with Moses. Wherever they went, whatever was going on, they couldn't shake it or lose it. Everywhere. This idea, this capital T truth, is the holy ground, the foundation of all that we teach in unity. Everything else stems from this. It's the basis of affirmative prayer. It's the source of our inherent optimism. 
It is an absolute truth, not a relative experience. And what that means is that even though the facts of the moment, whether in your personal life or in the world, might be kind of rotten, good still exists. It can't not exist. It's kind of like when we pray for health for ourselves or others, we acknowledge the facts of the situation. Here's the, the dis-ease, discomfort, whatever. We recognize that and we affirm that even in the midst of that, there is life and vitality. We affirm that, we praise that, and draw it forth. Or in the situation of lack and limitation, we recognize the facts that something's going on at Hip National Bank and it ain't too pretty. And yet we realize this is an abundant universe. Look out these windows. Everything out these windows says life is abundant and full. So yes, we hold the vision of that. And yes, yeah, see some of this green being brought into Hip National Bank. It's everywhere. And these things, life, vitality, health, abundance, prosperity, are all attributes of what we call God. So in describing the divine as absolute good, the natural question arises, well, what about evil? What about the devil? And I say to that, well, what about it? <laughs> Again, the experience of what we call evil is real. You can't not open a newspaper and see that. And yet it is not permanent. As I've said repeatedly, and I've told myself repeatedly, my favorite verse out of the King James Version of the Bible is this. Let's see if I remember it. Oh, yes. And it came to pass. Over 500 times, and it came to pass. In other words, did none of it come to stay? You know, it came to pass. Or as Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. You know, don't stop and pitch a tent for crying out loud. Keep going. So we know that bad things happen to good people, but it's not permanent. I have a colleague um, from whom I learned this line. Anything can happen to anyone at any time. That's just what happens when you have a physical body and you live on planet Earth. That includes awesome things that are really incredible. Yeah, and that includes the awful things that are not. You know, and these awful things aren't caused by some being called Satan. Satan, too, is a metaphor for what we might describe as hatred or ignorance or fear, being given expression through somebody, probably out of ignorance or hatred or fear. See, consider those things as Egyptian taskmasters that we mentioned a few moments ago. I want to tell you a story, a personal story. It's really close to my heart, so if I tear up, um, just bear with me. Many of you know that last month I was a Unity minister in residence at the Chautauqua Institute in Western New York State. Unity has had a, a presence at this prestigious institution for many, many years, and I was invited to be a Unity minister in residence. It was fantastic, just the best, best experience, really is the, one of the best experiences I've ever had. And you may have learned that on Friday there was a horrific act of violence the attempted murder of Salman Rushdie on the stage at Chautauqua Institute. See, to me, that's evil. Satan didn't cause that. A human being did. I have speculations as to why. Attendees at the lecture subdued the man, offered help to Rushdie. They prayed. They supported law enforcement. So even in the midst of that evil, there was good. 
In his communication to the Chautauqua community, President Michael Hill said in part, we are called to take on fear and the worst in human traits, hate. And let's be clear. What many of us witnessed was a violent expression of hate that shook us to the core. We saw it with our own eyes and in our own faces. But we also saw something else I don't want us to forget. We saw some of the best in humanity in the response of all those who ran towards danger to halt it. Think about all the times we've seen that happen, 9-11, other circumstances where there's been something awful, and the goodness that God is manifesting through people to help. I once heard it said that if you ever see a crisis and you're wondering where's God in this situation, look for the helpers. They always win. Hill continues, so where do we go from here? How do we think about the days that follow when hatred shows its ugliness? The response must be love, of course, but also action. We must return to our podiums and pulpits. We must continue to convene the crucial conversations that help build empathy. Obviously, this is more important than ever. We can take the experience of hatred and reflect on what it means, or we can come together ever, ever more strongly as a community who takes what happened on Friday and commits to not allowing that hatred to be any part of our own lives. In his presence, pr comments, President Hill is identifying God as love and affirming love's omnipresence. God is absolute good everywhere present. It's heavy stuff. We all have had some manner of a very heavy situation, I'm sure. And what keeps us optimistic, what keeps us going, what gives us the reminder of a better day coming is this truth on which we base all of our teachings in unity. God is absolute good everywhere present. That being the case, there's always an idea. There's always an opportunity. There's always something to do based on the truth of what God is. Okay, let's all take a deep breath. That's a beautiful day, right? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay, so I want to give you some homework. It's always homework around here. So it's back to school, right? It's, you might be thinking, Russell, it's always back to school in Russell. You're always in Unity. You're always giving us homework. Well, precisely, we're a year-round school. So I have an idea for developing the consciousness of this first principle. And it's a thinking assignment. You don't have to write anything down, but I want you to think about it and consider it really as an investment of your time that will pay off handsomely, not just for you, but for the world. And I want us to do something that we find in the Bible, and I want to take this experience literally. You know, earlier in the quote from Exodus, that was kind of a metaphysical interpretation. Now we're going to go straight to literalism. And I want you to do what Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. And this is what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there's anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. Where attention goes, energy flows. What he's saying is focus on the good. 
praise the good and watch it expand in your life and watch it expand as your life. So that's homework assignment part one. Homework assignment part two, read through page 12 of your booklets. And if you're online watching, reminder, uh, sign the guest book and we'll send one to you. That's enough for today. Class dismissed. Peace be with you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.